0: Manea, My name is Verolletti Flores.
1: And I'm Miriam Suela Perez, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes.
0: Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we are bringing you an episode that is the greatest of all time in each genre, mostly because Perez was trying to think about a way to talk about this goat that I prepared recently. (laughs) And we're like, how do we incorporate goats? And Maite, who heard us ruminating about this on our last episode recording (laughs) after, after editing help, um, gave us this idea. So shout out to yeah. Maitha for the idea. Um, we're going to talk about a goat that I made and also <laughs> the goats in several <laughs> genres, including this one.
1: Yeah. Maitha is our stealth producer, apparently. So thank you, Maitha. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're starting with... We picked four genres that we felt very comfortable sort of making this assessment in. Um, so we started with Bachata. And um, let's take another listen to the goat of Bachata, Romeo Santos. This is Solo Conmigo from his brand new album. ¡Suscríbete So, yeah, so we decided to pick, basically we just picked Caribbean genres because we felt like that was more in our, like, wheelhouse in terms of, like, who am I to say who's the greatest of all time and like, of all time and like, banda or cumbia or something because, I mean to be honest, it feels like a stretch to do it at all. Like I struggle with kinds of things. Of course. But, because, um, you know, it's highly subjective. Like, you know, I can't say that I'm the expert in bachata, but, you know, these at least these genres are genres that, like, we're very familiar with and, like, we have some cultural connection to. Although, you know, I'm Caribbean, but I'm definitely not Dominican. So... Um, But this one was not actually hard to think about who is the greatest of all time in Bachata Because Romeo Santos, I mean, I think most people, many, many people would agree That he's Hmm. had an indelible impact on the industry um, and on the
0: genre Do you disagree? I, I mean, I don't disagree with that assessment That he's had an indelible impact on the genre I think that there is a case to be made for Romeo Santos being the GOAT for sure and it, I think that it is based on, like, completely changing the game and making, you know, like, with Aventura, like, making it in, Bachata into something that was, like, an international phenomenon in a way that it hadn't mm-hmm. been before him, mm-hmm. um, before Aventura. I am partial to, like, the old school cats myself. Like, I love, like, you know, that's why I liked Utopia so much, his um, last album, because it, mm-hmm. it was, like, um, those folks. So, um, but I don't feel like I know enough about bachata to to make that determination. I definitely do know enough to feel like Romeo Santos is a contender, though. And I feel like that's a fair assessment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think part of this question is, like, what makes someone the greatest of all time? Right. Like, what are the... Absolutely.
0: What are the... What what are are the criteria? Yeah. Yeah. Are they the
1: best musically? Are they the best profess career wise, have they had the most mainstream success? Have they sold the most albums? Do you have the widest audience? You know, so I feel like on many of those metrics I just mentioned, he would be the one, you know? Absolutely. I don't know that he's the best musically necessarily, or leave like the best songwriter or the best um, vocalist or, you know, whatever. But um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a very subjective. Uh, yeah, well, also, question. those categories
0: are all super subjective, right? Like yeah, also, anybody can right. make a case for anything, really but i think romeo santos is a solid choice
1: yeah i mean i think in terms of numbers probably like albums sold that kind of stuff he would be the top you know the things that you could quantify i think he's probably the most successful bachata artist yeah of all time but you know that's also because like a lot yeah a lot of the people i mean part of why I, i you know part of why i'm making this argument for him is because he i think his work in bachata has like made a career in bachata possible for other people too. Like he does. And this is what was interesting. There was like a lot of media around this album release. This album just came out on Thursday, last Thursday. um, So like a week ago. And um, the song that I picked was just, I think, just kind of in the realm of like another classic bachata from Romeo, just like what he does really well, like his bread and butter um, a lot of the media about this album has been about the collaborations on it, which are interesting. Um, but I wanted to pick, I wanted to bring something that was just kind of like classic Romeo bachata for this. Um, but in uh, some of the interviews that he did leading up to the album, including like a billboard, he was on the cover of billboard magazine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, he talked about this question of like, why does he stay so f- solidly focused on bachata, right? Like he is not done really any uh, yeah like you could have had into... like a nice
0: little shift to pop reggaeton or something
1: uh-huh, exactly yeah um and he's like so he said you know i really appreciate what he said he said if i do an urban song it could be massive but i don't want it to be a distraction you have these amazing artists right now in their prime offering urban music i want to make i wanted to make a difference and speak for my genre bachata needs me you know and i feel like Aww. that's true you know, like yeah like i think that he has um, yeah, he's kind of, like, created new audiences for Bachata, right? Like, he's, you know, created commercial opportunities for Bachata that wouldn't exist. I mean, he's very literally created opportunities for all those, like, old-school, you know, Bachateros that he brought up in the Utopia. And in this album, he has a collab with um, Luz Miguel de Amargue, so another one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, that, I think that's also an argument for why he's, like, the GOAT of Bachata, because um, of the way in which his career has, like furthered bachata as a genre you know and kept it from being just music listened to like on the island of dr you know so um but yeah i mean it's it's there's no yeah there's there's no objectivity to this at all it's really it's really subjective
0: yeah Um, did you like did you like this uh this album i did like it i did like it
1: i need to spend more time with it but i did like it um he has some interesting collabs, like Justin Timberlake, for example. Was unexpected. I mm-hmm. don't really like didn't love that one. Um, I did really like an, a collab with a Mexican artist Cristiano Nodal. That was really interesting. And when he released the album, he released some like extra content that was put on Spotify. Some like text, like and, like audio, like talking in between stuff, and it talked about sort of his love for Mexican music, which is cool. Mm. And then there's also a really good. Um, like, Merengue collab um, with a couple of different... It's got, like, four or five people on it. So, yeah, it's it's a good album. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's not... You know, Utopia, I think, was so amazing because of what it did, you know, in this sort of, like... Yeah, the ways in which it just, like, the connections with the people on the island and, like, the, you know, the guys that came before him and whatever. But, but no, this is, like, solidly good Romeo. And, awesome. you know, the truth is, like, he's not my favorite bachatero at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... I think he's just had this, such a monumental impact on the genre that, like, you can't deny that as somebody who loves Bachata to, like, have to appreciate what he's done, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I have not listened to it because I have some time set aside to listen to it the day that it was supposed to come out and then it just didn't come out that day.
1: <laughs> and I don't know why. if anybody
0: <laughs> ever got an explanation as no. to, like, why we had to wait an extra 24 hours, but no. whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I just like I said, like I think I think he's right. Bachata does really need him, you know. He keeps the genre in front of mainstream audiences, he keeps the fans of Bachata happy, he offers some residual support to other artists who are Bachateros who wouldn't be able to just like Effortlessly become, you know, pop urbano artists if they wanted to, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, this for is sure. just, but yeah, I, I would say it's a good album. It definitely, I definitely need some more time with it, but yeah, I think overall, you know, I mean, he's he knows what he's doing. The other thing that was interesting about the profile is that he, um, it's it mentions that he has a partner and two kids, mm-hmm. and we've talked about him on the show before and like about the fact that there's like very little known about his personal life and sort of, you know, this question about like, is he gay and like maybe that's why, but, um, and it did say partner. I guess it didn't say wife, but I think that, I think he just is really private, and I'm I'm just impressed that he's allowed that kind of privacy. Like, why aren't the paparazzi like following him around? You know, um, I don't know picking up his kids from school or whatever. You know, like we just there's nothing. So, I think. Do that's Do you think really
0: there is a similar culture of paparazzi with Latin American artists, like in Latin America? Do you think? Because it's well, he's not, not in like Latin the Gringo paparazzi with yeah. Romeo, Like right, you know, no.
1: right, right. Because he's in he's in. The
0: Bronx. Yeah, I, I mean, know. he's here, I, but I don't think question. that the Ingle I mean, Press I... is interested in Romeo, so, like, right. is, is there a culture... I mean, I don't know. I don't really follow celebrity gossip, like, at all, so I just have no idea. Like, the fact yeah. that I don't know anything about Romeo's private life is, you know, like... I don't know anybody's life, really, unless I'm, like, assaulted with it, like Kim Kardashian's. You know, like, I know everything about yeah. Kim Kardashian somehow.
1: But even the fact that Not we don't see, like, you know, cell phone pictures like from randos, you know, I don't know. It just surprises me that there's so little about him, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the culture of paparazzi is like in Latin America. I just, you know, they have, I mean, I know there's like Mexican celebrity rags and stuff, so I don't think that it's unique to the U.S., but no, But yeah, yeah. people seem to respect his privacy. So I'm glad. Good for him. If if that's what he wants. (laughs) Good for him. That's what he should have. Okay. So, you know, got really into the weeds about Bachata, but, Part of the why we wanted to do this because we want to really talk about your goat party. And I was very interested in this process from afar. I did not get to participate or get to taste the goat, sadly. But um, you spent a good part of your August break focused on this um, goat project. So tell us a little about what... Uh, first, I want to know like what inspired this particular culinary feat that you ended up...
0: I mean, I... So this is a dish that I um, grew up eating it's um highly nostalgic for me and it's also like super regional to where my mom's family is from and like this like very very sort of like regional preparation that is um difficult and long and arduous and being lost I think so even like people around like where my mom is from like maybe have not eaten it you know but it is Mm -hmm. like very ingrained culturally um Mm -hmm. in the sense of like that's where it's from um and like, honestly, like the like seven years ago, I went to Venezuela and I was asked my uncle, like, I would love to learn how to do this. Like, will you teach me? Because he my uncle is like a really great cook mm-hmm. and he has taken up the mantle of like doing um, a lot of the stuff that my grandfather used to do. So I grew up with my grandfather preparing this and my uncle, my grandfather had nine kids and my uncle is the only one left who still knows how to do it. Um, I don't know who my grandfather learned it from, like his, you know, people before him, presumably. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, so what it is, it was like chiosalao or Cecina is another name for it. Um, and so where my mom is from is Falcón in Venezuela, which is on the Caribbean coast. It's like the northernmost area in Venezuela and in mm-hmm. Latin America, actually that, um, the Paraguana Peninsula. Um, and what that is like, it's very deserty and arid. So goats do really well there. So there's a lot of goats mm. around making it like a staple protein, um, mm-hmm. other than fish, obviously, cause it's right on the coast. Um, and it's also mad salt flats. So there's like a lot mm. of like sea salt production, there so like because there's so much salt then like salting something to preserve it is like a thing that makes a lot of sense right like people do this with fish in the way that like they do with bacalao um right but they also in venezuela and the in like falcon and more specifically in paraguana um people salt goats to as like this is like a indigenous like pre-refrigeration like Mm -hmm. preparation of Mm -hmm. um of goat where like if you know like you let's say like you have to let like, you like slaughter an animal but you don't want to eat it all right away but you also don't have refrigeration yeah. so um so then you have to find a way to preserve it and the way to do that usually is salt um and so yeah so and there's a lot of oregano that grows also in paraguana so what's different about the goat that i got here th- that um that is different there is that like they're like the goats like eat a lot of oregano so like Mm. their flesh is like imbued with this (laughs) seasoning in a way um but um so you just like cure it with a lot of salt a lot of oregano and um let it dry in the sun and so my inspiration came from like you know I just I grew up with this and I really wanted to do it
1: yeah yeah and so had you seen this prepared or you just had eaten it
0: Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, I remember seeing it drying, like, you know, in my life. I don't remember seeing, like, anybody other than the time that I asked my uncle to, like, prepare it with me so that I could learn how to do it, like, many years ago. Mm. Um, I just, it was just around. I remember seeing the goat drying. I remember eating it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, how long did the process take from, like, start to finish?
0: Oh, my God. Well, I would say, like, a week, like like if everything is condensed right we had to like find the goat but that mm-hmm. was a whole other process mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it salts for 4 days but i also like butchered it to be like in to be like you can't just like put like half of a goat in the sun like it needs to like be flat enough so that the salt both enters
1: all of the flesh
0: evenly and also it dries really evenly Mm -hmm. so like you need to like sort of like debone it and like they call it relajarlo that's what my uncle calls it like tiene que relajar el chivo and like he doesn't even do that himself he has somebody do it for him and I had like that was one of like many goat panics that I I had about whether I was going to do this butchering job myself but Mm -hmm. ended up doing it just fine Mm mm-hmm yeah, I have lots of goat panics to report. I'm sure that throughout, throughout the episode, I will tell you all about them. But should we move into yeah. Yeah, our yeah. next genre before I give you more goat party yeah, updates? Yes, so
1: I, I have more questions about the goat. But let's talk about <laughs> a different kind of goat in this genre. And we kind of talked about all these together, but we sort of split them up. So you're taking the next one.
0: Yeah. So the next genre that we chose was salsa, which is a genre that we, you know, when we did the Fania episode in particular, but also I think throughout several our episodes, we've like talked about salsa as a genre and like how sort of like new it is and how it came about. Um, But I think now it's like a solidly like, you know, um, a solid staple of um latin american pop and like latin american just yeah popular music so um we decided to go with salsa and who i chose i think is to me pretty clear although i had like some ideas i was like thinking okay like fania universe is where i was Mm -hmm. gonna go um and celia cruz did more than just salsa because she started out before the invention of what we know as salsa today Mm -hmm. but she became a really important salsera in the fania universe and beyond so i am going for like an old celia classic with johnny pacheco let's listen to kimbara
2: Kimbara kumbara kumbaba, Kimbamba. Kimbara kumbara kumbaba, Kimbara kumbara kumbaba, Kimbamba. Hey mama.
1: her also because of like the Cuban roots of salsa you know obviously Puerto Ricans had a big impact on salsa as well but you know the musical traditions and roots of salsa are very Cuban so the fact that she had you know was already a singer in Cuba and, and was doing music before makes a lot of sense to me
0: yeah yeah she was she would have been very familiar with Son Montuno, which is sort of like the times where like salsa is like Time signature and rhythm really comes from, and like most mu- most of the musical structure, it's very similar to son. Um, and the way that salsa sort of differentiates is like some of the harmonies change. It used sort of like um, used a little bit of a different instrumentation, added some more some different kinds of percussion, and also um, and also like more like American pop harmonies. So, um, so it was a little bit. Um, it sounded a little bit different, but it's like you said, like very, very based in this um, in this tradition of mm-hmm. Cuban music. That if you listen to our Latin booms episode, you will know that um, you know like salsa emerged in the '70s in New York City. Um, and, um, that sort of was a product of some of the earlier, like, booms and interests in Latin music that were happening, like, where New York City was central, like, Mambo and Cha-Cha and, like, all these, like, Cuban big band, um, genres that people, um, really got into and really, um, were into dancing, really, starting in New York, but then, um, around um, around the country, so it sort of emerges out of that, out of Bugaloo, um, out of like all of these different things that are happening um, in New York City with all these different Latin diasporas, right? So like yes, it was a lot of Cubans here especially you know like um, after the revolution a lot of musicians like weren't going back um, and there's obviously a ton of Puerto Ricans here Folks from all over the place, and it sort of emerged into this like pan-Latin sound that, um, you know, like salsa, so, so, like you've said many times before. Perez, is like, was like sort of a marketing term of like how mm-hmm. to talk about like this new setup, this new mm-hmm. sound to like these set of like old genres that mm-hmm. had been, um, you know, like kicking around for a long time and part of the the um, you know like Latino staples.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many like big names in salsa, but Celia definitely like holds court, you know, in a yeah, certain way. Yeah, for
0: sure. I mean, yeah. that voice is just unmistakable. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it. I feel like if you are like a person who has not really heard any salsa, you've probably heard a Celia Cruz mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, and just also there was there was so much of who she was that was really um, revolutionary to mm-hmm. um Latin American pop and Latin American Mm -hmm. celebrity culture. Like, there's not a ton of unapologetically black women Mm -hmm. um, that are doing their thing and reach the kind of level that she did. And Mm -hmm. she was really, um, you know, she really did that.
1: And she was pretty, like, universally beloved, too, which I think is no small feat, given that she's a woman, that she's a dark-skinned black woman. Um, Yeah, I remember when she died, like, Miami, there was, like, a whole... People, like, took to the streets in Miami. Like, she was just so, so deeply loved, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, she really, she really was. And I, I remember it, like, it was, like, I always think it's more recent than it was. Yeah. Um, But I think it was, like, 10 years ago now, right? Was it, like, 2012?
1: It's been a while. I don't know the exact year, but it's been a while. Yeah, yeah
0: it felt, like, I remember looking it up recently. I was like, oh, she died a few years ago. It's like, holy shit, no, she died a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she is so present still in, um... I, like, in parties, like, you know, like, as, like, the sound of salsa, like, she's still so here, it feels mm-hmm. like, so, um, yeah, to me, to me, she's the goat.
1: Yeah, and is this one of your favorite songs of hers, or?
0: Yeah, so, I was thinking about bringing, when I was thinking about Celia songs that I loved, I was, like, thinking about Queda Negro, which is, like, um, I'm not sure that it's her song particularly, but it's, um, an old song about, um, just, black pride and be like don't try to straighten your hair and like you know whatever it's just like be who you are and Oscar de Leon actually has a salsa version of it which is which is cute um, but so I didn't bring that because it's like um, it's not salsa and we're talking about her being the salsa goat which she is right. but she has this long history before the creation of salsa this long musical history before the creation of this genre as it is today
1: La reina. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: So, so I have
1: more questions about the goat. So About the I think one animal of my f- goat. <laughs> the animal goat. Not Celia. Although I, we could talk about Celia all day. Okay. So one of my favorite things about this whole goat process was the fact that you cured the goat on your roof of your apartment building in Crown Heights. Um, and one of the reasons I love that is because I don't think you're the first person to do this because your neighborhood is very caribbean immigrant heavy and like a lot of folks like trini folks and stuff eat a lot of goats i'm just like it just feels very like immigrant brooklyn to me (laughs) but um tell us a little about what that process was like
0: it's possible i actually i mean there's not a lot of people in the world who do this um Mm -hmm. at least in the region of venezuela where this is popular in Venezuelan cuisine there's probably other goat curing traditions in the world so who knows it's in brooklyn really anything is possible yes But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it it was supposed to be in my girl Mariana's yard. But then like because of like the sun and everything, um, we decided that really my roof was the better venue for it, which is like why I hadn't done it before. Because I was like, I can't put a whole raw goat on on my roof (laughs) right
1: turns out you can um
0: and I sure did I mean I was also had all sorts of paranoias about like who was gonna try to eat it you know like all the various critters and pests that there are in New York um but really um I think that the fact that it's so heavily salted um you know it's not It's not salted, like, in the way that, like, a prosciutto is salted. Like, it's salted, like, the way, like, bacalao is salted, you know? It's, like, very, very salty. And the way that most people eat it is that they boil off some of the salt. Like, you can eat it, like, jerky, but it's, like, pretty salty, you know? And so yeah, we put it out like Alex who helped me get this go um also like helped me put it out like really early in the morning. We went up like at dusk and like it was very like there was like this beautiful dusk like light like the you know like the early morning light was like reflecting off like the New York City skyline and it was just like, you know, like a weirdly romantic time for this goat you know <laughs> i mean the had, goat was like, dead
1: so it wasn't the romantic goat was for the dead goat. but
0: come on what of you
1: <laughs> i mean it wasn't romantic for the goat is what i'm saying it was romantic for you
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah i guess i think so i mean this goat was celebrated in a way that very few animals in this country are celebrated
1: no it's true it's true and i don't i think if you're gonna eat meat you have to be okay with the killing of animals you know so i think it's yeah. important to like To not pretend, like, that process isn't part of you eating meat, you know?
0: Yeah, I fully agree with that.
1: How did you... I feel like the roof would have been better than the backyard. Because to me, in a backyard, you're more likely to get, like, rats than on a roof.
0: See, that's probably true. I I was concerned about, like, my neighbors stumbling on my goat. Did did that happen? Did anybody? They didn't. Really, nobody goes up there other than me for the most part. So... Um, it, I did not like, I was going to leave a note up there and being like, if you have any questions, come knock on 4B, you know, like, (laughs) um, but, um, but no, nobody that I know if somebody did stumble across it, they just left it and said nothing. They're like, oh, cool. (laughs) Good day. You know?
1: The reason I think this maybe has happened before is because goat, the thing about goat meat is that it's kind of tough. And so you have to process it in some way to make it edible right like you have to either really slow cook it or stew it or so I mean maybe nobody's salted the goat the way you have but I'm just like somebody's cooked a goat on a roof in crown heights oh somebody's
0: cooked a goat for sure I'm of this I am confident yeah I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I'm sure at some juncture it would have made more sense to cook your goat on your roof
1: does the salted curing process also like tenderize the meat
0: It does. It tenderizes the meat a little bit. And then um, and then so what there's multiple ways to eat it after that. So like the primary use of this is to preserve it so that you can like keep it around for a few weeks. We ate it right away because like we had like we planned this party for this goat. (laughs) And like, you know, I had I got the goat like a week before the party. So like we ate it right away. Um, but so, uh, there's lots of different ways to, to prepare it, but the way that, um, I grew up eating it and that is, you know, possibly the most decadent way is to like boil off some of the salt and then like roast it and eat it, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you also people obviously like, you know, I still have like some of the bones left with a little bit of the meat and, um, they, um, those, like, you can make in, like, a, like a soup, like, you can make, like, un mm-hmm. uh, people put it in beans, you know, like, f- a lot of people, like, put it in things, you know, like, like you can make, like, little, like, dumplings, like, made out of corn, like, mm-hmm. bollitos pelones de chivo salado, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. Yeah. So there's many ways to eat it, but that's how I grew up eating it. That's how, that's how we did it. We just like roasted it with a little bit of anoto or achote as it is known in Mexico and in the U S for the most part, um, some garlic, some oil. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. I love it. All right. Well, it feels appropriate somehow to now be going To listen to some merengue. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Somehow this all feels connected. I don't know. It feels very Caribbean, I think, this whole thing. Um, So, um, and then I think we'll probably have more to say about the goat party again um, after this. So, I picked the merengue song, um, and we kind of collectively decided on uh, well, we debated this a little bit, but I decided on um, Johnny Ventura. So, let's listen to his Merengueiro hasta la Tambora.
2: Ahora, yo soy merenguero, hasta la tambora Señor mío, no es nuevo, no es cosa de ahora Yo soy merenguero, hasta la tambora Ay, merenguero, hasta la tambora Merenguero, hasta la tambora A bailar con guira y tambora Hasta la tambora Ay, esperar que llegue la aurora Merenguero, hasta la tambora Mami, si te vas, no te vayas con más.
1: because you could definitely make a really strong case for Juan Luis Guerra as the goat of Merengue, but I have, I don't know, I have resistance to Juan Luis Guerra on a couple of different levels. We also just um, did a whole episode about him because we talked about his Bachata Rosa album. So y'all heard a little bit about all my feelings about um, Juan Luis Guerra. So I wanted to pick another big voice um, in Merengue. And that's Johnny Ventura. He had a career spanning like decades and decades, more than sixty albums released, um, and he primarily recorded salsa and merengue. So you know, the goat. You know, these. It's just hard. It's objective. It's it's subjective, not objective. So, but I think that he's um, arguably like a really big voice in in merengue and had a very long and um, important career. I don't know, like Juan Luis Guerra, kind of like Romeo, like really captured an international audience and I don't know that you can say that to the same degree about Johnny Ventura, but that isn't the only, you know the only criteria for whether somebody is um, a goat (laughs) in art. Yeah,
0: yeah I really don't think so. Yeah, yeah um, like, if you're gonna base it on sales, then a lot of whack ass people would reach right. their status. Right.
1: Yeah, and that's not fair. Yeah. But no, very talented musician, long standing career. He was also a pol- politician, which I didn't remember from like the research I did about him last time. He was the mayor of Santo Domingo for a while, and he was in the, the legislature as well. So that's kind of a fun dual career. Yeah. I think that
0: Johnny Ventura is a good, uh, it's a good candidate for yeah. merengue go. I think, you yeah. know, he's very well known. It's also like an Afro-Dominican genre at its yeah, root, and exactly, yeah. Um, you know, like he's an Afro-Dominican man, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like, you know, like Juan Luis Guerra is a very, like a palatable face for some mm-hmm. of the, these like typical mm-hmm. um, Dominican genres that mm-hmm. emerge out of um, out of usually like Afro-Dominican contexts, so yeah. I feel like so that's definitely been part of the resistance that we've had. Um, in I think that we've talked yeah, about in the past totally. in our conversations with some of them. In addition to having just made a whole episode about Bachata Rosa, which right. you should listen to if you haven't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so Ventura actually just died last year at the age of eighty-one. Um, so he had yeah a very long a long career, an incredible catalog of music that he put out. And I just really like this song because it talks about kind of his strong identity with being a Merengue, you know, like that's just like a part of who he is,
0: which I think is really beautiful. So, you know, I was at the, so Labor Day in um, Crown Heights, uh, we have the Labor Day Parade, which is like the carnival. It's like West Indian carnival. And, like, our, I had this um, Brazilian friend, reporter, who was like, why do they do Carnival in September? And it's like, girl, because February is cold. So <laughs> yeah. we, we can't be out, you know, like, girls playing mass and, like, people out, like, painted and stuff. I can't be out in February doing our thing. So um, so then um, but that's why it's in September. But so every L- Labor Day is the, the Labor Day parade. The last couple of years have been a little bit different because of covid but this year is the first year that everything is like fully back and sort of like more resembling what it had in past years and i was thinking you know like there's obviously a lot of west indian music played throughout there's these like giant trucks that go by with just like it's just like a semi truck full of giant speakers and it's like you can feel like the bass like in your bones Mm -hmm. um and I was just thinking about, like, it was, like some of the music sounded so much, like, soca sounds so much to me, like, merengue, almost, like, mm. por allá, you know? Like, it's, like, different instrumentation and different, like, you dance it a little bit differently, but, like, it's, like, that same sort of, like, pace, and, like, it's just, like, wow, it just all comes from the same place, and, like, you yeah. know, depending on where it landed, it manifested and remixed in different ways, and... Um, I just had a little moment about Merengue mm-hmm. then that I was like, oh, right. Yes. Like, we mm-hmm. like we hear, like, all the different manifestations that come from, like, you know, people who were enslaved and, like, landed in all these different places yeah. on the Caribbean. Right. and Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Because yeah, they were all, you really know, they were all kidnapped from the same place, basically. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. all over the Caribbean and Latin America. And so, of course, there's going to be shared roots to a lot of the music from Trinidad to, yeah, to DR, to... The West Indies, like all of it, yeah, for sure, yep. Yeah. So my last question for you about the goat party is like, what were people's reactions to eating the goat? It looked like you had like a really incredible celebration.
0: Yeah, we had such a good time. So the reason that like how I like this happened was that like I texted my friend Mariana and I was like, "Yo, girl, like, would you be down to salt this goat with me?" And she was like, "She was like." Salemos un chivo, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> she was like down, like, immediately. And I know, like, if I text Mariana, she's like with the shits. She's like down, like, wants to do it, like, in no way will ever be like, no, I'm not down for this crazy adventure. She's always mm-hmm. gonna say yes. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so Mariana, like, hosted at her house and, like, helped make like the nixtamalize the corn and um, make the arepas like arepa pela, which is again like the way the arepas were made before industrialized corn flour which really emerged in venezuela in the 50s and the 60s um but before that like my parents grew up like moliendo my like that because that's just how you made it like the way that people had been making corn for millennia um, but in the last, you know, 70 years or so have been using a much easier slash much less nutritious, um, substance to make arepas, which is like corn flour that you find like harina pang for arepas, but like you find non nixtamalized like industrial corn flour for a lot of different preparations. But, um, but so like Mariana helped me make the arepas and, um, and hosted, and made hot sauce, and did, like, all these sides that, like, typically go along with a goat, like, you know, um... We made, like, a little salad that is, you know, usually there's not salad, but we're, you know, fight, I guess. (laughs) And also, like, trying to make, like, the goat, like, go around a little bit more, you know, because, like, you have to, like, bounce some people, you know. Like, the Mm. goat, like, feeds a limited amount of people. And Mariana and I both have, like, mad friends. So, like, we had to Mm -hmm. be, like, really exclusive about the goat party, which was really intense, Mm. (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it was good it was good though like we had such a fun time and Mariana's homies are the folks here from Tambor NYC who do all like this like Afro Venezuelan drumming um, all around the city and Tamboricania is their name Tambor NYC is um, their Instagram handle And, um, so they like played a cool, like little set. It was so fucking beautiful. Like I felt like, you know, like we really celebrated this animal's life. Like they played a set and then we're like, all right, you should go ahead and eat. And we like told folks what it was about. And it was really great. My friend Thano was like spreading rumors that I had slaughtered the goat, which I thought was very sexy for me. Um, (laughs) but if somebody came to me and like asked if I really slaughtered the goat, I'd told them the truth but I love that rumor for me so. mm-hmm.
1: like that you slaughtered <laughs> you slaughtered a live goat in your Brooklyn apartment <laughs> yeah that I'm able to
0: do that yeah I think that's very cute but I didn't yeah I didn't. yeah um, definitely like a professional did that
1: right and it turned out well right it tasted good
0: it tasted so good everything was really fun everything was really delicious like none of the goat was like Beach, you know, like it didn't mm. turn out bad in any little spots because my uncle was like, if it's like the salt doesn't get in really well in a spot, you can just cut that spot off, you know. And so I was like obsessively smelling every little piece of it to make sure <laughs> that it wasn't gonna go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when we like brought it out and like covered it up, it was so funny because like when we brought this like raw goat that was covered in salt and oregano, I expected like all these flies and all the stuff and like there really were no animals but the ones that were so curious were the bees and i think it's because mm. they smelled the oregano and that's sort of floral but like mm. really very few um animalitos were interested right. in it except for bees the bees were like what is <laughs> this <laughs> fascinating yeah completely fascinating
1: well i think we should maybe should have had like a content warning at the beginning of this episode for any of our like vegan listeners or people oh my don't god maybe we'll hear do about. that in the
0: episode description sorry yeah
1: no. yeah <laughs> i didn't think about that until now trigger um, warning
0: graphic yeah. goat descriptions.
1: descriptions i did do that, that
0: in me. my stories some you of did. y'all who I saw might that. follow I me from that. my days where i wasn't on lockdown everywhere Um, Mm -hmm. I posted a lot about it and I did a lot of warnings for my squeamish and vegetarian friends to mute me for the week if they couldn't hang with like pictures of a, of like, you know, a whole goat goat carcass. Goat
1: carcass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was excited for the documentation. Um, (laughs) all right. So our, our last genre for this episode, you, you picked the, the song. So tell us about it.
0: I did. So we were trying to figure out who the goat for reggaeton is, and I feel like we went slightly basic, but it feels so clear to me that Daddy Yankee is, like, just in terms of skill and being there from the beginning, and sales, and hits, and, like, there's just, like, so many. Like, and, like, long-lasting career. Like, he's, like, still turning them out, you know what I mean? So, um, I just had to go with Daddy Yankee. Um, I love so many reggaetoneros. I was like, yeah, maybe, like, Hector El Fader, maybe be Queen. But, like, I just feel like, to me, like, you know, like, Tego is also another contender for GOAT. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Love Tego. That's a very close second to me. Um but I had to go with DY, so instead of like being super basic and playing gasolina, I'm gonna play sort of a deeper cut. This is called Salgo para la calle. I love these stents. Take a listen.
2: sin rumbo conmigo, eh? Como un vagabundo sin rumbo Hoy sí que no hay nada que me pague.
0: I was reminded of this song because I was re-listening, so I was re-listening, the first time that I was reminded of the song super recently was over the pandemic when um, I was watching the Tiny Versus Looney Tunes mm. Versus. It was so good. Which yeah. was so good, it was so fun. We actually did an episode about we the verses did. because it was mm-hmm. so cool and so fun and you all know I love to pay attention to the production if you've been listening for a minute, so... Um, that I think, um, so Looney Tunes played this track, um, Looney played this track as uh, you know, part of his catalog. And then I was listening again to that, like tiny versus one of the tiny versus Looney Tunes playlists that like people put together of all the tracks that they, um, that they put on. And I was just like, man, these synths are so good and um, when I was, tr- when I was um, putting in my ballots for the 100 best reggaeton songs for the Rolling Stone list, I made my case for this song and <laughs> other more beloved Daddy Yankee songs made it on, but I just had to do it. Um, but I do. I love this one. Shout out Looney Tunes for being um, a b- couple of weirdos who are like, yes, let's put this like weird analog synthesizer melody on here to start and then drop the beat. Sounds great. And I'm so happy for it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think, you know, there's so many ways in which you could argue for him as the goat you know both from the fact that he was there from the beginning like he's part of the origins of reggaeton and he's been like a big big part of its meteoric rise like there's just so much about his legacy that makes him such a big figure obviously not yeah the only one uh, by any means but um a real dominating force in reggaeton from you know jump to now so it's hard to it's hard to pass him over even if yeah he seems like the expected choice you know
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, shout out to La I have so much love for Tego. And like Um, Evie.
1: We talked about Evie. And
0: Evie. Yeah, like Evie also talked about her. But um, it just seemed like wild to pick anyone else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's what I'm doing. That's what I did. Shout out DY.
1: (laughs) All right, y'all. Thanks for coming on this goat journey.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Maite again for the idea. My God.
1: I was, like, trying to come up with all sorts of angles and but I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Maita came in with the, with the idea. Y'all, if you don't listen to her podcast, Capronas y Chingonas, you should be listening to it. It's, like, great cultural criticism.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll put some pictures in the newsletter for y'all. as a little motivation to sign up for the newsletter if you want. Um, to see some pictures of the goat process. Um, if you... Are a part of the newsletter and you don't want to see some like wild goat pictures, maybe don't open it this week. <laughs> Just saying.
1: Yeah. Um, all the info about the songs we talked about are in our show notes at Raymonea.com and make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Thank you so much, y'all. Hasta la próxima.
2: say you and more solo." Con...